I got it from my mama with Beck and Sarge. Hunter GWM Havel are proud to support NHM Newcastle Hunter Mummers. They've got stock ready for immediate delivery in H2 Canon, Canon L and H9. Did you know all vehicles are backed by a seven-year unlimited K's warranty? Inquire now. Hunter GWM Havel. Hey, Mummers, lock yourself in the laundry. Grab a shardy or run a bath. Welcome to the show. Fiona O'Loughlin, Queen of Australian Comedy, joins us for a very candid chat about pulling her kids out of school to go and watch the movies and not participating much uh, at the tuck shop. (laughs) We also talked to parenting guru Pinky McKay uh, on how to stop tantrums, dealing with them, kids teaching them to be empathetic and have feelings, and the iPad what to do about the iPad. Plus, you can win a wind-down weekend at the Mercure in the Hunter Valley. Tozer Air is proudly family-run and owned, serving Newcastle, the Hunter and Surrounds for over 20 years, now helping protect families with Nano-X German bacteria-killing air conditioning equipment. Contact them today to see how they can protect your loved ones. And check them out, tozerair.com.au. At Tozer, we're not comfortable until you you are. Pacific Smiles Dental is committed to caring for your children's smiles and their overall dental health. We know how important a great smile is for a child's confidence and they're passionate about educating children from an early age about the advantages of looking after their little teeth and gums. Find Pacific Smiles Dental near you now. I got it from my mama Beck and Sarge with Pinky McKay. She's an incredible author and she has a fresh approach to parenting. PinkyMcKay.com for more. Beck, my co-host, is literally, if I could explain this to you, she's sort of like we're going to interview Brad Pitt or someone. She's all um, red in the face and really nervous to talk to you, Pinky. That is really funny. Oh. I'd be nervous if I was interviewing Brad Pitt, probably. Oh, no. Brad Pitt wouldn't know as much as you do. He's no. No, he's got six Pinky, we were ecstatic to talk to you. One of the main reasons was because Beck and I are in the midst of Tantrum Town with all our children and uh, God, it's a very lonely and scary place when your children, like I have, have tantrums just all over the joint. Like my two-year-old Summer the other day had a tantrum in a cafe. Look, it's not a good idea to take them to a cafe, but I did anyway. I had to do something and she got the baby chino and just poured it out all over the floor and then stomped in it like what are you meant to do (laughs) what are you meant to do in that sort of scenario where you're in a cafe and you can't speak your mind all you can really do is scoop up that child and you can perhaps look at people I had one mum who cracked me up I was in a baker's shop and there were all these la-di-da older ladies standing around and her kid you know carried on and she just stood back and said, look, my child's having a tantrum um, <laughs> and I really don't need any advice. I'd just like to wait until she's finished. Get out <laughs> of here. really rather gutsy, I thought. Absolutely. Was, one of my own children, my youngest one, was, we walked to the shop on a hot day and he was sort of between two and a half and three, which is when they all kind of happen, isn't it? Yeah. And I had said we'd get an icy pole when we got to the shop and they had one of those things and freezer things in the middle of the shop that you can look into yeah. and being, you know, like you say, going into a cafe with a toddler is not the brightest idea. Well, mm. I had not such a bright idea. I picked him up and said, 
which one would you like, which was really stupid. I should have just picked two that were right for me yeah. and said, would you like this or this? And he pointed to the box of 24, and that was that one. And I thought, well, we can't get that one. It's too big. So he threw himself on the floor. And an elderly gentleman walked past and said, he needs a good smack on the ass. And I went, and you need to go back to your cave. And I don't even know what made that come out of my mouth. <laughs> there was the checkout check giving me the thumbs up, my kid lying on the floor <laughs> screaming, and this old man ready to <laughs> and puffing as he stomped off. See, Sarge, that's why I love it. Really, all you can do is wait till it's finished because their, their little primitive brains exploded. They haven't got any reasoning. The frontal lobe part of their brain that, you know, helps them regulate emotions. It's not even, it's only coming on board once they turn three. It's not there yet. I've just wondered, do you have any strategies for the best way to calm or prevent? I think prevention is the better thing. And often when children do lose it, you know, they might be tired, they might be hungry, they might be just overwhelmed. I think if you can think of it as a storm of emotion. Yeah. That child can't really manage. They're not equipped to manage it. You can stay calmer when it yeah. does happen. Oh, okay. um, you can reduce them a bit by seeing that, that little one's emotional tank's full. You know, with, with a baby, you naturally attend and you fill mm. that little tank up through the day with cuddles and eye contact and loving interactions. And as they get bigger, though, they become a toddler, they get busy. And you get busy because they explore and they amuse themselves and you're just not quite as connected as when yeah. they're a baby. And then yeah. that little tank empties out and the emotions are too big for them. And, you know, by just checking in with the eye contact, with a bit of touch, you know, mm. offer them a, would you like a piece of massage on your back? Just little things that you do to check in fairly regularly and notice them and getting down to their level you know, instead of waiting till it all falls apart, just popping in and think of filling that little tank, it really does help them stay connected. And you're also noticing, you know, what's going on. I mean, they need a few challenges, but sometimes they get frustrated because they can't quite manage. Absolutely. So when they're sort of reaching the brink, maybe create a diversion. You know? Yeah, I like the diversion. <laughs> we you know, use that a lot. A place or a toy or a home yeah. or a story or a song or... Maybe a snack, you yeah. know, and if they're having lots of them, try and think of what the triggers are. Is it when they're tired? Is it when they're hungry? When they're feeling rushed? Or is it, you know, a situation like playgroup or shopping or being strapped in the car seat? You know, all those things that might be, you know, a bit much. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, talking about their little emotional tanks, because a lot of mums have talked about, and I've just had experienced this a lot more, of when the next baby comes along, the tantrums go up. Do you think that's because you're not giving them as much love, so to speak, and it's not because you didn't mean to, but it's just because the baby's there now and they take up a lot more of your time? Well, it's really hard too because that's been a big life change for a toddler. Yeah. Now, imagine if your partner came home with a lovely new person and (laughs) said, you know, look, I have to give this person lots of cuddles. (laughs) She's very special and new and, you know, you're a big 
strong person, you'll be able to look after yourself. <laughs> and so, you know, all those things you've got, I really want you to share them with her. <laughs> I would have a tantrum. You know, a little bit left out and a little bit disconnected, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. What about, I have a six and four-year-old amongst my little one, but I'm sort of going into a different realm of tantrum and I would probably more call it like lashing out or um, real public displays of attitude. Is there sort of a way to deal with that kind of thing? Do you have any advice on that? I think sometimes, look, four-year-olds are really known, aren't they, for a beautiful friend, taught infant massage, you know, we work together and so gentle and sweet. And one day we were saying, you know, we had this discussion about terrible twos and how they get such a bad rap. Mm. And little two-year-olds really can't, you know, manage lots of things. <laughs> yes, but I've got an effing four-year-old. And yep. I sort of had that. I'd never even heard her swear, even though I'd known her for two or three years, this <laughs> lovely lady. And understand. I just said, yes, but they do, they get like little lawyers and they reason with you and they do have that attitude. But I think just remembering that you're the... You're the grown-up. You don't have to be a four-year-old or a six-year-old. And I think sometimes the more you jump in and argue back or get engaged with the crap, the four-year-olds will say things like, I don't love you. Oh, yeah. You're not my best friend anymore. I get every day. Yes. And you can just say, but I love you, and ignore that stuff. Okay. As much as you can. I mean, you still have to set your boundaries. But if it's just a, a push with some language, really... Mm, um, and whatever people think of you is none of your business. You know, handle it whatever way is right for you at the time. Yeah. And too bad if some strange old lady looks at you and goes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Pinky, uh, in terms of language or something, often the toddlers or a little bit greater of age pick up something that you really don't want them to, a swear word or something, and then... Uh, they'll say it in public and it's just all so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> have you got any advice around that? Ignoring is good, but if you're in public, I actually did this with one of my old children when they were young. We were in this shop and he swore and it was, it was back in the day when the only health food shops were owned by, you know, people from the Seventh Day Adventist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. so I knew they were good people who probably didn't swear, but there was an older lady there and I just said to her, Mummy, be so sad to hear you say that. And I took him by the hand and got out of the shop. He looked up at me and went, you are my mum? And I went, yeah, but I didn't have to listen to that. <laughs> Old lady, she at me for a child. <laughs> Maybe you should say something like that and just pretend they're not yours or you're the nanny for the day. That's a good idea. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> they don't use those words perfect context won't they yeah any other word they might always correct mightn't be completely clear but they will say those words and they only have to hear it once that's the thing they only have to hear it once and then they latch onto it and everyone thinks that's a sort of vernacular you're walking around with 24 (laughs) 7 yeah yeah that's how you talk to your child yeah we're on this rampage now of if someone's not good they don't get dessert that's our latest thing did time out ever work for you pinky or was did you have other methods time of out things? Was, look i was never going to smack my children because i was brought yep. up with you know good hiding yep whatever the hell they were good hiding yeah. <laughs> and i hit straps as i got older i hit Ooh. straps but my dad never hit me but my mum didn't i um I still hear what a dreadful child I was, how she had to hit me, but I wasn't going to hit mine. So I'd heard of time out and I thought, oh, I'll try that on my child. 
So I put him in his room and he threw all the books out of the window. And so I had to go and say to him, oh, let's go and pick up all those books together. And we were picking up the books and the lady next door who... We were living in New Zealand at the time, so it's not anybody here that I'm pointing my finger at. Um, the lady next door who used to say to her kids, wait, why do your father get home? My mum said that. She was watching me with, out the window with glee as I've got my little child. Mm. Up mm. Time out really is more of a punishment and it's really not appropriate for kids under three yeah and okay. really it's you know it's it's still about shaming but I think it's something that you would keep for really just hit the baby or something and you just say look yeah. you need to sit over here quietly for a few minutes while I sort out the baby I mean that's all you can do but things like the naughty mash and time out they're still in punishment mode and no child's going to stand in a corner and say oh I better shape up no, yeah, so you right. really need to look at the behavior what's triggered it what you know all behaviors are communication so what's going on for that kid and my kid's having a problem rather than he's being a problem and mm. it's really hard to do when you're right in the middle of a chaotic moment mm. but you know you're better off doing that than you know I think I, my kids were so spirited is probably one word um mm. that I would have had to tie a naughty mat to their bums so I think yeah. it, you know it, <laughs> I, I, it would have been more stress for me to have yeah you know, put them somewhere. Whereas I think sometimes just having a, a space that's quiet, maybe a few cushions, somewhere you can sit down. And with a, with a little one, take them and sit with them in time out. You know, people now call it time in. But sitting yep. here with them, helping them calm down is really a better way than to abandon them when they're having a tantrum. Yeah, that's interesting because um, what you said about them having a problem rather than being a problem, that's amazing. And I hate to admit that my two-and-a-half-year-old, everyone told me time out with her, time out, because she's so defiant. I tried it for a while and she was just more defiant and now I'm giving her more time and hugging it out and it's worked 100% mm-hmm. better. Because they don't have the language skills, they don't have the emotional regulation. So they can't say, look, I'm feeling really left out now and I really need a cuddle, Mum. Yeah, yeah. So they, they get past that and don't know how to ask for help. So it's about really keeping, trying to see things from their perspective and what can we do to help them through this and manage their emotions. And I think, you know, when we think of behaviour, we always think of behaviour management rather than, and that good old-fashioned word discipline means to teach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're thinking... What do I want to teach my child? You know, I really want them to learn how to regulate themselves and how to calm down. And if you're helping them calm down, but like you say, when you've got a child who's a pretty strong-willed child, you know, and and you come up against them, they become more stubborn and you have more fights. Oh, fireworks. But when you think of that, you know, you you think of it as a two-year-old and you think of stubborn, and then you think of a, say, a you know, an 18-year-old or 20-year-old or whatever, or 16-year-old, and you'll say, wow, what drive that kid's got. Yeah, that's true. It'll be flipped around as a quality that you really want them to have and they won't be easily led. You know, they'll, they'll think for themselves. Yes. And that's what you really want when you get an older child. Especially in today's society, Pinky. Yeah, you want them to be able to say, well, look, no, I'm not going to do that. And to be firm in their beliefs and their values. And also people are talking about these days it's really important to have that strong sense of identity. Yeah. 
because of bullying and so forth. Um, And just finally, what about your thoughts on screens? I know a lot of parents are with me here. Um, uh, When you have a time where you just think, oh, my God, like baby bum gets a bit of a, on YouTube, gets a bit of a workout in my house, I know. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Look, I think out of desperation it doesn't hurt, but I really think for kids under two, the less the better. You know, keeping TV off and keeping screens off and, and let kids explore because it's easy enough to set up activities or just let them go outside and, and learn to do things like get bored. So what are we going to do next? You know, yeah. and use their imagination because they're really not learning anything from a screen. And what do you think are some of the dangers of leaving them in front of the iPad too long? I don't think we know about how it really affects brain development. What we do know is it doesn't help with sleep because as adults we need to keep our screens off for an hour before we go to bed. Yeah, absolutely. Ideally, (laughs) the only things are that you end up having tantrums when you try to take them off the children because they've become quite sucked in. My four-year-old, who's who's definitely my most defiant child, um, she used to really love having the iPad and she used to get it for a limited amount of time during the day and I've her behaviour just became really ratty and I um, obliterated the iPad altogether and she changed overnight, literally overnight. She's just, she was just a nicer human being (laughs) really without that iPad and it was all centred not around the iPad itself but it was around the addiction to the iPad and yeah and and wanting it and needing it and that, oh, she just, yeah, it was horrendous how bad she was. I mean, it's probably a hard thing to wean children off but I think there is that probability of becoming addicted and going to that rather than thinking of going and doing something. And it's like, right. you know, watching TV or watching screens, they're not active. It's quite passive. Yeah. It's you know, not... They've got all their dolls and blocks and stuff around the floor. That's fine. That's right. You know, okay. they'll, they'll make up their little stories and they'll keep playing, but they're, they're acting stuff out, whereas it's very passive and they're just absorbing the stuff. Yeah. They're not... Mm. And they're also not getting sensory input, which is very important. You know, you can show them, I don't know, say a cow on the screen, but if you actually take them to look at an animal at a farm and they get to smell and see and talk, the language development is so much better from having a positive experience and an actual experience. Absolutely. Today when I was at the shops, I was at a um, kids' play area and I had my four-year-old girl and three-year-old boy with me. Um, And my three-year-old is a really gentle kid. When suddenly they... got went just out of my vision they both came racing back and my little girl said William hit a li- through a punched oh what did he pushed a little boy he pushed a little boy and William started crying and said well Grace told me to so I pulled them both over to this mum of this little boy that I could see was standing nearby and asked and told her what had happened and she said oh yes I saw it don't worry thank you thank you um William apologized mid tear she said yes your daughter did tell him to do it I have really no idea how to chastise her or teach her the best way of not influencing her brother in such a negative way so all I did was say you're not getting dessert but that's just our standard response at the moment do you have any better ways that well really I guess just talking to her about how must that little person feel and now your little brother feels really sad because he did something that didn't feel right for him yeah you know, he knew it hurt the other little boy. So real and, and talking to her about feelings and what... Because she may not even know why she did it. I mean, she's 
getting powerful and at four. I think that's what it was. So, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, having a little consequence is fair enough. But but Pinky, they say that you need to teach empathy to children. Just on from that, we're going to let you go. But what's what's the best way to teach your children empathy and how do you do it? I think you model it yourself. Mm. You also talk about feelings. Look, there's a great series of little children's books yeah. by Tracy Maroney called I feel, and you know, I feel sad, I feel happy, oh, I, I feel scared, I feel jealous, which is a great one for if you've got a little baby. Helping yep. kids connect feelings with language. Yeah, great. And it takes them a while, and then, you know, probably around three, they're starting to be able to say to you, I feel scared when, or I feel sad when, and it's lots and lots of teaching, and using that language back to them. Look, I think they can quite naturally develop empathy. Okay. You know, saying things like, I get angry too when I can't have what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, sh- you're modelling for them that I feel and you feel, you know, yeah. or you look angry that your block tower crashed. You know, they've flashed out yeah. or they've lost it. Yeah. Talking to them about the feelings because they can't really have empathy unless they understand feelings. Pinky and that little boy device. felt sad when he, when he got hit and Johnny felt sad because you told him to do the hitting. Yeah. That's not fair and that's not kind pinkymckay.com you pinky have been so generous with your time thank you so much that's okay all the mamas <laughs> yeah and all the mamas that listen to our show will be so grateful so thank you so much right thank you i got it from my mama with beck and sarge beck and sarge with queen of australian comedy fiona o'loughlin hello how are you good how are you mum of five <laughs> to be grandmother of one. Really? Oh, congratulations. Yeah, little baby girl coming in a month. Goodness me. I don't know. Actually, I'm not going to ask because, uh, yeah, I don't want to ask. But, God, you seem too young to be a grandma, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 55, so I reckon I'm old enough. I've been hanging out for it for years. How old were you when you had your first? I was 22. <gasps> oh, That's young. so young. Wow. So I had three under three at 25. <gasps> but it's crazy because it didn't seem... It's the gumption of youth, I think. I, I just thought, this is easy. I can do this. And then when I had the next two. I had them in two batches. Then I had the next two in my 30s. So I thought... Oh, what if I stuff it up? You know, these things are worrying. Sound like you were more nervous when you were in your thirties than you were in your twenties. I don't think it really matters whether you've got one or ten. They suck up all the oxygen in the room. Yeah, they take up so much time and energy, children, which we love them so much. But being such an amazing career woman and having the huge career that you've had and still continue to have, how did you feel with that as a mum? Did you always have massive mum guilt when you went out to work? I remember once looking at Tess. She's my third child. She's the one having the baby. And I'd been away for, I think it was Edinburgh, for five weeks. And I just remember this. Uh, you know, I got gotten home and I was looking at her. She was in the bath and I was just looking at this little three-year-old, her little shoulders, and I thought, oh, I've missed a whole month of you. You know, mm. The, mm. there were times where I was sad, but no, I never really had the guilt. And so um, you shouldn't really either. Yeah. You're more of an inspiration, I would say, to the children. I was a pretty irreverent mother in many ways. I, That's how it worked for me. It was a very uncensored house, you know, and... Lots of fun because <laughs> I, 
<laughs> could imagine. Well, having a comedian as a mother, geez. Uh, did you have some run-ins with the school principal? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the school would have been that true. I was one of those late mothers. I was often late. <laughs> I felt that if my kids had to, you know, I was so um, privileged in the sense that I didn't have to do a daily grind. You know, when you're doing a job that you really love the guts out of, um you are very privileged and also you know when I was off I was really off you know it's either I was away working or I was home and when I was home then I remember I used to come to the school and I'd tell them that so-and-so had a dental appointment and there was no such thing we were going to the movies you know I always <laughs> thought it was important to have one-on-one oh okay I never did them in a mob you know yeah, I do that with my daughter. I've got a um, seven-month-old and I often snatch the toddler away and yeah. I just notice the excitement in her eyes even as we drive off. She's just so happy. But I was naughty with not helping out much. I remember one of my kids saying to me, how come you never come to my school and cut fruit? I get that. <laughs> really? Quick as I said, how come your teacher never comes over here and mashes potatoes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get that. I get What do they say? They say, well, how come you never come to reading groups, Mum? And I'm like, well, I'd like to say because I really don't want to, but, but I won't. So I just say that I've got the baby, you know, the baby's there. It's always the baby. <laughs> Is it because um, there's some women, like I don't know this, but do they make it their full-time job yes. to basically be involved in the school? Yes. Some women are very involved and, you know, hats off to them. They... And it's usually the busiest women. I remember mum saying back in the day, you know, I came from Catholic country where people had, it was nothing to have seven or nine or even 12. Jeez. And it was the, the woman who had the most kids who got asked to do the most because mm. they tended to be able to do the most, mm. you know. It was strange. So we were so happy to see you survive the jungle and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. One of my kids said to me, do you know what was so great about it, mum? He said, we always get asked, what's, my, what's your mum really like? And he said, now anyone who watched the jungle, that's what she's really like. A <laughs> little bit lazy. Quite good fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was built for me, that show. I like lying down. I like gossip. <laughs> when Paul Burrell turned up, it was like a stack of new ideas, you know, two feet high. <laughs> Take care and thank you so much for talking to us, Fiona. Thank you so much for talking to me. Toes up, proud to be partnering with NHM Newcastle Hunter Mummers and NHM I Got It From My Mama podcast. Why should you choose Toza for your family? Because they're one of the most trusted brands in the Hunter, serving families and commercial premises for over 20 years. Toza are happy to chat with you today about your family's heating and cooling needs. Just get in touch. Tozerair.com.au I got it from my mama with Beck and Sarge on Apple, Spotify, and NHM Newcastle Hunter Mamas.com.